on today's episode, Dear Almighty Hallelujah Forever Incarnate is this Padres team an absolute nightmare circus, recapping last night's game in which Blake Snell's effort goes to waste, the very, very weird and awkward comments by Josh Hader, Bob Melvin after the game, and the report that the Padres may be cutting back on spending, whether or not it's time to get rid of AJ Preller. That's right, it's a chunky episode, got a lot to talk about. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Locked Out Padres Podcast, which is part of the Locked Out Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, September 26th. We're all, it's almost time to wake up Green Day, man. We're almost in October. I am your host, of course, with sometimes, occasionally, but not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. If you want updates from the show, if you want updates from me, yada yada, you get the deal. And then Locked On Padres on YouTube if you want to see the, the video version. People like video versions of the podcast. What can I say? That's what the data says, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the statistics, that's what they tell us. That's what they tell us. And you can also see whatever shirt and say hi to Pac-Man and Tatis on my table. Um, today's episode, guys, um, it's a fun one, I, honestly, personally. Um, it's possible I snap again on this one. I did a little bit yesterday um, in regards to the Padres, you know, tanking the weekend uh, in a way that was just so them. Losing a game in extra innings again and not being clutch with the top of your lineup. And then the very next day, right when all the pressure's gone, you score 12 runs. Well, last night, there was... It's funny that they're still technically not eliminated, yet they certainly acted like they were. They acted like they'd been eliminated for a long time and all of them just got their houses taken away from them and that they're never going to actually play baseball again. That's the energy of last night's game in which the Padres lose 2-1. to one. Not going to talk too much about Blake Snell. Uh, because that will be tomorrow's episode, in which I talk with my buddy uh, Colby Olson of Just Baseball, who wrote an article about him. Not going to spend too much time talking about him on this episode, but six innings, no earn runs, four hits, two walks, seven Ks, lowering his ERA to 2.25. Probably officially guarantees uh, he's a Cy Young winner uh, for this year, which is awesome. And I'm very excited to talk about that when it is officially announced and when it you know goes down. I guess that's the last remaining good fun moment, it seems, for Padres fans uh, until hopefully next year if they, you know, show up, I guess. Um, speaking of next year, uh, the real thing to talk about here, and again, the Padres also in Padres fashion, they do lose this game despite Snell having a good start. But the reason they lose is because Robert Suarez is brought into the game, who might be my worst call um, in a while. I'd say I think my, my last bad call was Grisham back in... Uh, after the 2020 season, I pred now granted it was a bold prediction and I was kind of messing around. You could go find the video, but I predicted that he finished top 10 in MVP voting for 2021 and he did not. Uh, and he's been bad ever since. But Robert Suarez, I loved the extension uh, when it happened. I really liked it. I just thought, look, I like this. They think that this guy's awesome. Preller and company have actually low key been good at finding themselves like a good lockdown closer. These past few years, despite some of the injuries to guys like Kirby Yates, Trevor Rosenthal, uh, etc., 
They've actually been pretty good at that. And I figured they think, all right, Hater's going to get paid way too much money. So not way too much money, but the Hater's going to break the bank. So how about we just sign this guy early and save a little bit in that regard? And at least not have someone as good, but someone who's pretty dominant. Um, and he was not. He gives up. He goes one and a third, gives up two earned runs and the lead. He is brought into the game instead of Josh Hader. And who... For those who didn't see the comments, let me read them to you. That's how we're going to start. After yesterday's game, Josh Hader, this now I'm reading from AJ Casaval on Twitter, Josh Hader asked his thinking behind not making himself available for four outs. In quotes, it's the situation that we were at. Asked to clarify, he said, are we in the playoff race? And then AJ Casaval says, technically, yes, but it would take a miracle to which he said, you guys want me to do everything. Okay. Then after that, asked if he was looking to the offseason with his decision to limit himself. It has nothing to do with the offseason. It's the now. It's the health. It's the making it through the entire season. 162 games is not an easy task to do. You see guys work overloads. They get injured. (coughs) I have a lot of thoughts on this. The first one being, oh, and also, by the way, Melvin doesn't really have anything that I could just read off of a quote, but... After the game, asked about Josh Hader in that incident, he says, yeah, that's what we're doing right now. What does that mean? That's what we're doing right now? And then asked, oh, is this an offseason? That's just, you know, that's how we're that's how we're approaching things now. It was really awkward. Everyone go look it up. Um, I think I retweeted it from the Lockdown Padres account. If I didn't, then um, my apologies. I think I did. I think I tweeted over it, but... Wow. Um, Three months ago, back in June, uh, one of the things that I got a little bit of flack for, and I still stand by it, um, a lot of people were complaining that Josh Hader wasn't available for four outs. Um, And they were saying, how can you be a big-time closer if you're not going for four outs? And I defended it because, first of all, it was June. And I was like, look, uh, it's not like every closer consistently goes multiple innings. Again, that was also a very funny start in which every Padres fan on Twitter, at least, so it's not a great encapsulation of the fan base, but even still, uh, it was just very funny that a lot of people were all in on being like, obviously you keep Tim Hill in, like as if Tim Hill was some dominant superstar reliever, right? I know he was good that night, but it was just it just remains hilarious to me. But I defended the decision uh, to an extent with Luis Garcia, who all he had to do was just not give up like nine runs in an inning, and they would have been fine. Luis Garcia was given very low leverage situations this year that he did not succeed in. So part of me doesn't want to put that on Melvin. Um, this not using hater. A lot of people over the past uh, over the past month and since the deadline have been giving Melvin a lot of crap for not using hater. Um, and I defended not using him earlier in the season. It is now much later, and more importantly, not to yell too much, but you didn't trade him at the trade deadline. So why in the world are we in a situation where we still, let's say, even be, even when it was like right after the trade deadline, why is this guy not being deployed, and or why is the team not aware, whether it be managing uh, from from Melvin or GM from front office with AJ Peller, how was there a disconnect that you just apparently did not know that this guy was not going to want to go four outs, and then you kept him instead of trading him for likely a top 100 prospect? 
because you're not getting you're not resigning by all accounts. And we're going to talk about some of the reports that, that came out um, yesterday from AC later. What is going on with this team? And of course, and I love this, and I've been giving him a lot of crap all year because he's one of those attack the media because it's an easy target. Granted, occupational hazard, it's fine. But also, easy target, and people like him, Manny Machado, love doing that and just pushing the agenda that media is making stuff up and fake news and blah, 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 right? All that stuff. And he comes out the other day talking about this is a, a narrative thing, this is a dumb narrative, we're not dysfunctional, and then the day after, we get stuff like this. This is why, guys, again, I'm not saying that reporters are always on point. They're not. They're not, they're not perfect. I'm not saying that they don't all have an agenda, whether it be of their own you know, regard, of their own accord, or if there's some higher-ups that are telling them what they have to do and stuff, or not literally telling them what to do, but alluding to it. It's There's a lot of politics and how this stuff breaks down and media consolidation, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't then be like, oh, but I trust the one player instead. I trust Will Myers because we liked him and he's a funny meme. You know what I mean? Like Players have an agenda too when they disregard these things. Everyone does. Everyone has agendas. This is how the world works, unfortunately. But for me to see that, and then it's just so funny that the very next day we get this. I defend Josh Hader and the idea of not wanting to put himself on the line. I do. I understand him being like, I want to get paid. I get that. But even still, you ain't going to go four innings for us. Four, I'm sorry, four outs for us. You're not even going to do it once. What's going on here? Like, you just... Basically, it feels like Josh Hader quit on the team. Um, and in my opinion, that also, him quitting on the team, he deserves a lot of crap for that. Those comments about, you want me to do everything? You're a reliever, dude. You're not Shohei Otani. Relax. Okay, re relax for one thing. And second, how is no one aware of this? How does this situation ever arise that you have a big-time player who literally will not play, and I, it is because of the offseason, because he's a free agent, which I respect. Go get your money, get paid. I get that. But how is you? How is the front office and the manager not on the same page for a guy that you could have traded at the deadline? How do you not know that? It's like keeping Lucas Giolito, or he's a bad example. It's like if you kept... Your ace starting pitcher, it's like if we kept Snell at the deadline, but he was like, I'm only going to pitch two more starts. That's basically the equivalent. How do you not know? Whether it's Hayter, whether it's Melvin, whether it's Preller, who I blame the most, how are you not aware of what's going to go on here? Because clearly it can't be on Melvin. He doesn't know what to do. He That was a look of defeat on his face. That was a look of surrender on his face. Not giving up, but like a, a surrender to forces outside of his control. That's what that looked like to me. And him being like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not allowed to use the guy. Whether it be because of Preller not realizing that Josh Hader didn't want to be traded and et cetera. And that's hilarious because, of course, Josh Hader, I believe, along with Snell, alluded to that they didn't want to be traded. So, of course, Josh Hader's cool with staying here in San Diego just to chill out and get the sunny beaches, but he can't go four outs. And even when they're, I know that it's a long shot, but even still, they're not eliminated yet. And by the way, this isn't the first time. It was like three weeks after the deadline and he had gone three innings. Which is a little bit on Melvin, but could also, given what happened last night, maybe even earlier on, that wasn't on Melvin. And this was like, there's an, uh, an undisclosed pitching innings limit. I don't know, but that's freaking insane. I almost cursed. Are you kidding me? 
This team is a disaster. And quite frankly, if you were listening to this podcast, stop watching them. Stop. They hate you. Uh, you, the fan. Whoever's watching or listening to this, they hate you. Absolutely hate every gut and fiber and molecule in your body. They despise you. You sell out every game at Petco. You got the most excitement in a long time. The sport of baseball, quite frankly, is relying on you because there's too many owners that are cheapskates and don't want to do anything. And then you come in and spend. And all the players do is they don't show up in for one way or another. It's just insane. I have not hated a team that is a team that I follow. You know, like I've hated like the Patriots and I've hated like the Red Sox and, and some Philadelphia teams before. But you got to be kidding me. This is a joke. An abject failure on every single front. And this is only one example, by the way. But it just shows you. No one has an, a, any idea what's going on. No one knows what to do. It's total dysfunction and disarray. This is Washington Commanders level disarray right now. Mm, I don't want to go that far. But it's really big time bad. And I just like... It's just... It's disgraceful. And if you stopped watching the Padres... I don't blame you. I already said a while ago I don't blame you. But now it's like actively like, don't watch. Stop. Stop watching this team. Stop giving them your attention. Go read a comic book. That's what I've been doing. I mean, I watch the games, but, you know, uh, when I, when it's like uh, during the game, you know what I mean? Uh, like, if you don't have to cover them like me, read a comic book. I love what's going on with X-Men right now. Go play a video game. There's all sorts of cool ones coming out. We got Spider-Man coming out in a few weeks. Go do that instead. I promise you it is a better way to spend your time. Are you guys struggling to close deals, though? Let me, let me tell you. Just, just, just change gears real quick. Cold outreach is wasting the time, speaking of wasting time, uh, of both the buyer and seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated, well, data. You know? That ain't any good. There's a lot of people who do outdated points these days, but not the folks over at LinkedIn. Let me tell you, your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insight. These insights empower sales rep and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which lead to better outcomes. They call it deep sales, and ladies and gentlemen, it's what they've built with LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash locked on. That is linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Remember, just go to linkedin.com slash locked on to get started with that 60-day. That's two months, man. Free trial is a long time. You're welcome. Go check it out. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. I did a whole lot of yelling and freaking out in that first segment, and it was going to happen at some point. And ladies and gentlemen, I finally snapped. What can I tell you? I'm just like, I finally lost it. And we're not done yet. We're not done yet. I could talk about this hater Melvin thing all day, but I really think that the hater and Melvin thing, just to put a bow on it, 100% validates and or gives, I should say, gives credence to all the reports we've been getting lately. And they're not the only report we've gotten lately. According to San Diego Tribune writer Kevin Asa, who I've talked about on this podcast a lot lately. <coughs> now I'm reading from MLB Trade Rumors, just in case I quote something because I don't have the 
I ran out of free articles from the San Diego Tribune. I, I had to cut back on money a little bit this month. But um, just to summarize for people who uh, don't, don't get to read it as well, the biggest points. The biggest points that were basically that came out in this piece. Um, number one, um, we had basically it was discussed that it sounds like AJ Prowler. I'm sorry. That Josh Hader and Blake Snell are both not coming back this year. Um, that's what it sounds like. Um, which is which it makes sense, which makes sense. Um, I've talked about this before. I and I will say that out of in terms of like losing great players because you might have to cut back on money, I'm okay with these being the two. I have nothing against Snell. He's like one of my favorite players in the league at this point, just to watch and hear talk. He's such a fun personality. But uh, I do have questions over the walk rate and I have questions over just we are already spending so much. I'd rather just spend on some lower tier uh, flyers in the offseason when it comes to starting pitching and hope that Darvish bounces back. And that Musgrove comes back healthy, et cetera, right? That's what I'd personally rather do. And then Josh Hader, even before all this ridiculousness from last night, I was just, I'm a little bit against the idea of spending big money on relievers. I just think they're really volatile. Um, He's a great one to take that chance on. Don't get me wrong. Uh, One of the better ones to take the chance on that we've seen in a long time, uh, quite frankly. But uh, I, I just would rather not do it. But the article basically says don't expect that to happen. Um... Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. I'm going to read from MLB Trade Rumors right now. The organization doesn't seem to be writing off 2023 to just misfortune, as Kevin Acey of the San Diego Tribune reports that the Padres are planning a different strategy for next season. This includes, in quotes, player commitments of around $200 million. As AC writes that the payroll cut is in part because they are out of compliance with MLB regulations regarding their debt service ratio. Okay. Um... That's that that's that's an interesting thing. Um, and of course, this is coming on the heels of the athletics article, uh, Ken Rosenthal and Dennis Lynn that discussed the, you know, all of the dysfunction going on there. Um, and, and as MLB Trade Rumors points out, this isn't the only time that internal discord has been a public problem in San Diego as the club's collapse in the second half of the 2021 season was largely attributed to a rift between the players and then-manager Jay Stigler. So we had a rift between the players and the manager. Now we have a rift between the players, manager, and the manager, and the front office, apparently. That's, that's what's going on. Although I think the players are okay with Bob Melvin because every player ever has talked about loving Bob Melvin. So that's what side I'm going to take on this. Um... AC notes that, in quotes, the path the team travels in many matters is currently being charted by more people than usual, including members of Siler Equity Partners, as Siler himself remains involved, but not ne- not nearly as intimately as he recovers from a medical issue, um, which, you know, I think if, I've never mentioned that on a podcast, but yeah, get well, Siler. Hope that's OK. This happened a couple weeks ago. <coughs> in quotes, it could be that the other members of the partnership group are less enamored with Prowler than Seidler is, or it could be that Seidler, who is the largest single equity holder in the team, um, has decided himself that a change is necessary since the Padres simply never get things turned around. Um, Simply never got uh, things turned around this year. Um, Obviously, the Padres' payroll has exploded, you know, with the on top of TV ratings and attendance and getting more sponsorship deals, all that stuff. They've been great. Um, But... You know, there's a lot of questions here, and they talk about Juan Soto. You know, there's going to be questions about whether or not they re-sign him. He made $23 million this year. He's probably going to get a, a big raise in his last year of arbitration. What's going to go on there? Um, and as I said before, AC notes, virtually certain that Josh Hader and Blake Sell won't be retained, and the Padres face other questions in regards to retaining Nick Martinez and or Michael Waka on two-year $32 million extension. Seth Lucas also 
likely headed for the open market, which I said um, last week, um, to exercise a 7.5 million option. So there's a lot of m numbers that I just threw out there. Now I'm just going to talk about the general vibe of what's going on here. The general vibe is that the Padres are going to cut back on spending. And this is why. This is why. Not to take a victory lap too, too hard, but every now and then your boy has to flex. Not that this is like some crazy, amazing prediction of mine, but I have been saying this since last deadline. The idea that the Padres are just going to perpetually spend forever is ludicrous to me, which is why I was against making more giant moves because last year they already had a giant payroll and they hopefully were going to have Tatis come back. You still want to keep Manny around. You still want to keep Soto around. My thing was this isn't going to last forever. Um, that, that was my vibe, especially if you lose. And this year they lost in every conceivable way and hate their fans. So... When you take all that into account, this shouldn't come as that much of a surprise. And by the way, 200 million is not bad. This is going to be one of the rare baseball teams, especially in today's landscape, where an announcement to cut back on spending is something that I cannot hate the ownership for. I can hate Baltimore for it. I can hate the Yankees for it. I can hate the Brewers for it. I can hate the, 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 the Guardians for it. I can hate the A's for it. The Padres have not had success because they refuse to cultivate depth and they only make the giant splashy moves that are predicated on what you see in the present and having no um, vision towards the future from AJ Preller and company. Now, Preller has vision towards the future in terms of bringing up the prospects or I'm saying uh, getting the right prospects, I should say, and drafting the right ones and signing the right ones, etc. But when it comes to the major league roster, just in a, a total ineptitude when it comes to being like, you know what? We already have like seven dudes that are on this team for at least four more years. Maybe we shouldn't add three more. Let's be a little flexible. Um, and this is why I was a big proponent of being flexible and why I was potentially against the Juan Soto, not just a potential extension this offseason, but from last year, uh, trading for him in the first place. Because my thing was like, we don't know how that things are going to shake up. There might be some cool free agent available. Cubs got Cody Bellinger for $1.50 and he was an MVP candidate practically this year. You know, if not for the fact that, you know, Ronald Acuna and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman exist. But you get my point. And that team is going to make the playoffs instead of us, right? So, and, and again, spending is good. You need the elite players. You do not want to make the postseason. And that cute little guy that you found, the diamond in the rough, most of the time those guys are going to get overpowered when they're facing, you know, only the best of the best. Nothing against those players. They're important. But don't be relying only on role players and cheap um, fines and diamonds in the rough. You know what I mean? Sorry for the sniffles. By the way, I'm still a little sick. Ah. Crazy, right? I can't believe I'm still sick. But um, I don't mind the idea that the Padres want to cut back its spending because I personally wanted to, too. Because I just think that there's too much money being thrown around and the results are not there. They haven't won more than 90 games since Preller took over. And their best season was last year in which even that season had a lot of issues. And they might even gotten a little bit lucky in one run like games, or not one-run games, but rather just like not having all that much offense outside Machado and a little bit of Luke Voigt every now and then, right? And then Hassan Kib get a little better. They didn't have too much of an offense last year, but they still managed to cobble together wins. You take that into account, and you also take into account that in that next season, uh, I'm sorry, in the second half of that season, all the players that got the deadline just fell off uh, dramatically from Soto to Drury to Bell, right? So that's not great. Um, I just like, man, this is why I say the, the team, the players hate the, hate the fans. 
Like, this is why it's bad when players fail like this. They failed in every way. So, again, Preller deserves the blame, and I think Preller should be fired. We're going to talk about that in a second, but my lord. Um, this, is a, this is a big story, and it doesn't surprise me, and I'm not totally against it. And I don't think that fans should freak out because $200 million is still okay. Now, if they get to the point where they just are winning only, like, 78 to 80 games every year, then it becomes like, will they just abandon this entirely? That's totally possible, but they have a lot of momentum because of the fan attendance, because of the fact that they have exciting players, for one thing. I know I've ragged on Machado, but Machado's an exciting player. People like him. You got Bogarts, you got Tatis, you got Soto, you got Musgrove and Darvish. They're, they are still the it team in a lot of ways in baseball. So no, I wouldn't be freaked out that this is a sign that they're going back to the old ways. I would not do that because I think that they're all excited about potentially winning uh, management and um, ownership and company and they're also just excited about it. it has led to an increased relevance in the sport that may play down the line but the idea of them cutting spending I can't blame them I can't blame them after what we saw and most importantly one other little kernel one other little kernel that we got to talk about guys from this report about the spending but before we do that before we do that speaking of like little kernels you know you need, you need a little bit of supplies for yourself when it comes to being sick, and I'm sick too. And the good homies over at Jace, they got you, man. They got a Jace case that provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form and, in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. You don't want to be caught unprepared, man. Look, with the pandemic and just general shortages, you, you want to make sure that you have your your meds and your 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 whatever your 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 supplements. You know what I mean? That's a better way to say it. Uh, at the ready, you know, for whatever um, goes down in your life. I mean, what can I say? What can I say, guys? Uh, so check that out. Remember, again, it is very simple over at Jace Medical. You go online, fill out a form, and then you get a prescription, life-saving medicans, medicans, uh, medications delivered to your door. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code LOCKEDON. That's what, that's what I love. I'm always giving you easy codes, too. You guys know how good you have it. LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. <clears throat> and we're back, everybody here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Of course, you know you know what it is, man. And also, go check out SiriusXM. Forgot to mention that before. Play-by-play broadcast of your hometown Padres, and maybe you could throw on a little Lockdown Padres too. You know what I mean? So go check that out. Um, final thing I want to talk about today. Um, <laughs> Woo! Oh man, uh, we are in such a funny situation, aren't we? The last thing, the last thing that needs to be talked about <clears throat> is that the article alludes to AJ Preller potentially not being as locked in as maybe we thought for next year. Um, as MLB Trade Rumors is saying right here. Um, <clears throat> what's it called? Uh, let me just read it properly. Sorry, my computer's loading. Falling so drastically in an all, or I'm sorry, failing, or does it say falling or failing? Falling so drastically in an all-in 
um, year could be why Preller is now facing more scrutiny from upper management. And AC also writes that missing out on the postseason could cost the franchise at least an extra $10 million in re- revenue. Whomever is running the front office will have plenty of decisions to make, especially in regards to how to address this upcoming payroll cut. Uh, Roster Resource projects that the Padres have just under $128 million on the books for 2024, though that doesn't include the arbitration-eligible players, most notably Soda, like I mentioned before. Um, so, oh boy. Um, just skip to the end. However, while San Diego has plenty of roster needs to address, the payroll reduction could mean that the Padres won't be nearly as aggressive in pursuing top-level free agents as they have in free, um, recent years. Trading Soto would be one obvious way of unloading salary while still bringing back some less experience, win now help for 2024, and the Padres might still be busy on the trade front rather than looking to splurge on the open market. With all that awaits the Padres in what might be another newsworthy offseason, Preller's fate might need to be decided relatively soon so that a possible new um, president of baseball operations and GM could get moving quickly on plans. It's interesting. Um, it's interesting, though, because there had been rumblings that Melvin was the one that was going to be fired this year, especially after, you know, Seidler has, you know, full on defended uh, Preller and gave him like a full endorsement back in like May or July or June. I forgot which which one it was, but um, AC notes that the path that the team travels in many matters is currently being charted by more people than usual, like I said, and it could be the other half isn't as enamored with Preller than Seidler is. These are big bombs. Um, from this article. And look, <laughs> today was just going to be an episode where I only talked about Preller. Um, where I was like, look, I just think that, you know, we're going to have potentially uh, a, a, an interesting conversation because he is such a great talent evaluator and he still has changed a lot in terms of how San Diego operates. Um, but there's a decent amount of that that you could give credit to ownership, allowing him to spend money. <laughs> Even though I still think that he deserves credit for being someone ready to make trades, there are plenty of GMs that don't aren't as uh, ballsy as Preller, but clearly it's not uh, working. So this article, if you're one of those people who's um, believes that they should get rid of AJ Preller, I do not fault that whatsoever. I think that's what should happen. I just don't think it's a coincidence that nobody gets better when they're here. So either you're not bringing in the right talent evaluators at the major league level, the right coaches, the right training staff, you're not giving them enough money, and as outlined in the athletic article, not giving them enough space to operate. That whole, and I have I wasn't able to talk about it last week, apologies guys, because I was sick, um, but the athletic article noted that listening to either Melvin or Hayter, uh, or I'm sorry, wow, um, that players feel split in listening to Preller and uh, Melvin because they're so different in what they're telling you that it's like the divorce parent thing. That's how they, um, that's what they compared it to, which is in a word alarming. Um, my take on Preller is that I do think it's time to go. I think that when you look at just the history of the sport, when you see GMs that bring in this different manager, the number of times that you give the keys to one person who makes all the decisions and you're failing year after year, but then all of a sudden, no, no, they were right. They're bringing in this Flaherty guy now, right? Who's been our head coach, like bringing him in. Um, Ryan Flaherty, formerly of the Baltimore Orioles and former teammate of Manny Machado, which to me speaks, um, gives credence to the whole belief and that was noted in AC's thing, which was kind of like, uh, you know, Preller's like nice to the players and wants to accommodate them a lot and do this and that. You're trying to accommodate Machado. Uh, if, if Flaherty is the next guy, which is annoying. 
Because as far as I'm concerned, why do you have to still accommodate Machado? He stunk this year, and at the minimum, you still paid him. It's not like they don't do anything for him. Relax. So <clears throat> you have that issue. Um, I don't think a guy who wins manager of the year every year and a guy who took us as far as we'd gotten since 1998, um, I think. Right? 2006. Yeah, 98, right? 98 was the last time. Yeah, in the World Series. The closest we've gotten since 98. Yeah. I don't think that that you have many managers like that in baseball, and I just don't think it's that guy's fault. Just all of a sudden, it's his fault. He just forgot how to manage. I just don't believe that, frankly. I, I just think that that's absurd, and that's why I think Preller deserves the blame here. And I think Preller deserves the blame for not trading. You want to keep Blake Snell? All right. You want to keep Josh Hader? All right. But especially not knowing... What whatever again, as I talked about in the first segment, that's a failure of the front office too. And management, everybody, to not know what's going on here and that this guy doesn't want to pitch. Is it Hater's fault? Yes, a lot of it is his fault. But you gotta be prepared for this stuff. And instead of getting a top one hundred prospect for a guy that we were gonna lose this offseason, instead they get nothing. And Hater was barely even pitching for them practically. So that's really frustrating. But I will say, if you are a hater, um, which I basically am at this point when it comes to AJ Preller. Um, even though I've had many times where I've loved him, I've begged him to kill me in increasingly violent ways on Twitter. That was one of my bits for a while to have a Loch Ness monster swallow me and stab me with an infinity sword, whatever. Um, I just, oh my God, guys, I'm tired. You know, I'm tired. I'm so tired of just like this team finding new ways to annoy us like every day. And, I just think that that's a cultural thing, and I, I really think that after last night, I know it's not the only thing, but for stuff like that to bleed out into the public, it only make the hater and Melvin stuff, for that to come out publicly the way it did, that's usually not just an isolated incident, and it's just the side of other things that we don't know about behind the scenes. So to me, if everything, it just gives credence to the article, and in my opinion, Mel, uh, Preller's to blame. You got to move on, and if the rest of the ownership group is having a little bit more say outside Seidler, even though if he is like the number one guy, maybe they convince him, maybe they say, we need a new GM. We can't have another, our GM appoint another person. Especially in an offseason we're supposed to cut payroll. I just I just don't see it. I don't see it making sense that they keep him next year. I'm sorry, he's definitely not the worst GM ever. Definitely not, right? There have been many worse GMs, and he still deserves a lot of praise for a lot of things. But I just think that in general... It's time to go, man. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, and if the Padres are cutting on payroll, I I really do think that I'm hopeful that this is a sign that Siler's like, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. You know? Maybe I was wrong. And maybe Siler was only seeing the ratings and stuff. And you say, yeah, I love this guy. And, uh, and yeah, we'll get better. You know, maybe that was what he was thinking. He's like, yeah, we'll get better. And also, ooh, hey, sir, we got the ratings and attendance numbers. Come check this out. Um God, I'm getting like more sick as this podcast goes on. It's probably talking about the Padres doing it to me. Um, so yeah, I just think it's time to move on, ladies and gentlemen. I don't like calling for people to lose their jobs. I think that that's lame and frankly just kind of mean. Um, but I, I just think that they need to make a change. If Preller was like the farm system director, that's one thing. If he was just one of their head scouts, that's one thing. But in terms of as a manager, I think this is just not a coincidence that they keep. They've had three collapses. I know 2019, that team wasn't as good, and maybe they should have expected to progress a little bit, but that was still a little bit of a collapse in the second half. 
Machado was, Machado was another part of that. You had 2021, and then you had this year. So that that stuff doesn't just happen. Happens once, I'd be I'd be defending him. If this was the one bad season the Padres had, I'd be defending AJ Preller. But it's not. So as a result, I think it's time for him to go. And this article, if anything, hopefully if everything's right, and I think AC's pretty uh, locked in at the moment, I think, um, maybe ownership uh, feels the same. And that could potentially be one of the better things to happen. And if that happens, all bets are off. I am fascinated to see what they could potentially do. And I'm curious to see who would want the job. Um, I think anyone would want this job, quite frankly. You have an owner ready to spend, and you have big-time superstars. There will be GMs, guys. Don't worry. This isn't like with the Rockies or with a team that doesn't spend and is terrible where you're probably not going to get top-level candidates necessarily. I think you get someone great. Who knows what they're doing? So, you know. We'll see. Maybe you get the guy from Baltimore. Maybe Theo Epstein. You lure him somehow. I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see. But apologies, everybody. If the ranting today got to you too much, again, I don't like to rant too much, but I had to this time. I was just really motivated. What can I say? Unlike this Padres team when it comes to playing every night. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts from. In terms of the future of this podcast, check out tomorrow's episode. I'm going to be talking with Colby about Blake Snell. Mostly a positive, upbeat, just talking about the glory of him. Colby recently wrote about Blake Snell for Just Baseball. Go, go look that up if you'd like. And just talking about his season in general and how dominant he was. And talk a little Xander Bogarts, Hassan Kim, because he believed that Hassan Kim was going to be better than Bogarts this year. So going to talk about that. And then on Thursday, I'm going to be talking with Miller Thomas, doing another one of our fantasy drafts. And then Friday, don't know. Uh, Friday will probably be the, or somewhere in between when the Padres are officially eliminated, whenever that happens, will be that episode where we officially just put a candle, you know, light, light the candle and send it off into the great beyond on, on an ocean reef, right? So looking forward to that. Until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful, my fire faithful homies. Take care.